0: I had someone ask me once if an ostrich egg was a zebra egg.
1: Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Rossifari. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome once again to the Rasafari podcast, the only podcast I know of to feature both a pun and a portmanteau in the title. You all know the drill by now. Check out patreon.com slash to support the pod, Rasafari.Redbubble.com for merch, including masks, buttons, and stickers of both the podcast logo and some of my more popular photos from the Instagram account, and www.Rasafari.com for all of the wonderful things you look for on a podcast website. You can also find me at Ross Safari on all of the social media platforms except TikTok, because I'm not cool enough for that. And finally, you can email me at RossafariPod at gmail.com if you want to chat with me. Also, if you know anyone in the zoo, aquarium, rescue, or conservation fields who you think would make a great guest on this podcast, please let me know. I'm always looking to connect with cool potential guests. Speaking of cool guests, today we're back with part two of my interview with Kara McSweeney. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, first of all, shame on you. And secondly, go do that, then come back here for this one. I want to take a minute to explain the title of today's episode, The Hermione of Hoofstock. Kara loves a good book, but the similarities to Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter series don't end there, because Kara also looks a good bit like Emma Watson, the actor who plays Hermione in the Harry Potter movies. As a matter of fact, thanks to a friend who is a photoshop expert, Kara has a few pics on her Instagram that really show off the similarities, and as soon as I saw them, I knew what I would be calling this episode. You can check those pictures out at k.a. R-A-M-C-3 on Insta. And now, here's the second part of my interview with Kara McSweeney. Nashville was expensive. Mm-hmm. And so you found a hoofstock keeper job yes. at another zoo, at a small zoo? Correct? Yes. And uh, so you decided to move your life there?
0: Yes. Um, it was really nice because the job that was open was like a lot or a couple of the animals that I already worked with so giraffe bontebok zebra i think that's it but then also a couple new ones which is like waterbuck which like you know we always talked about like oh if we expand the Hoofsack collection in Nashville, like we should get Waterbuck. <laughs> so I was like, oh Waterbuck, great. And um addicts, which are super cool, kind of scary, um, just because their horns are like real big, but so big. Um a little intimidating. Um but I liked also the fact that it's small enough that Um, I might also get the chance to work in other areas of the zoo. So like I might work in the commissary uh, preparing the diets for all of the animals in the zoo. I might work in a section that has lemurs or a section that has bears um, or other animals that I have never worked with but don't know that I don't Love working with them, you know?
1: Right, right. Because you guys, um, when you're at a small zoo, you don't have, like, swing keepers as much and stuff. You kind of are the swing keepers, Right. right?
0: Yes. Cool.
1: That's really neat.
0: And I think we have, like, a fourth of the staff that Nashville did. So, like, there are a handful of us every day. And, like, maybe... Like half, that's like half of our staff is there on any given day. Right, right. So like not a lot. To, yeah, to, that's incredible. You know.
1: And so I guess that brings me to something that I know is important to you mm-hmm. and, and to me and to hopefully everyone who's listening. Yes. Uh, and screw you if not, um, <laughs> which is conservation is yes. a huge part of zoos and yes. the, the kind of purpose of why zoos exist now. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, um, we all know that big zoos can do a ton of stuff. We all know that San Diego has reintroduced species into the wild and the mm-hmm. Smithsonian has reintroduced species and Toronto and all these things. But as a small zoo, Mm-hmm. What can you do? How do small zoos help with conservation?
0: I think that if you're not big like San Diego or Toronto, um the impact that you make, uh, especially with like if you're in a rural area, like the impact that you can make is like within your community. So looking at species that are native to your area. And looking at what species need help, whether that be a species of of bird or a species of crayfish or, you know, a a vole, you know, or um, I feel like birds are a big one because there are so many types of birds. Yeah, definitely. And like people are just like, oh, it's a bird. But like you don't know if you're looking at a bird that like that is one of 200 left in the entire world. So I think, um, that small zoos, while they might not make as big of an impact as it, like, it doesn't seem that way, but like within that community, it can really make a big difference um, for those species, but also educating the people in those communities. And like, why is this animal really important to, you know, our, our, little ecosystem of wherever we are. So I think a big part of conservation is educating people, which I guess, I don't know if people, like if they're not thinking about it, they might not consider education as a really big part of conservation. But like if you you don't learn why something is important, you won't understand the need to protect it.
1: Oh, of course. I think I think education is an incredibly important part of conservation. I mean, if you look at the giant panda story, um, they were on the verge of extinction. Right. And WWF came along Mm -hmm. and really made people aware. And, yeah, Yeah. part of it was just awareness of the cuteness and Mm -hmm. all of that. But also information, you know, almost every little kid knows like, oh, giant pandas eat bamboo. Yeah. And they're not. Even considered endangered anymore. right. Like they are the ultimate example to me of how just mm-hmm. education and popularity, yes. makes really um, makes, a difference. makes a huge impact. You know, one of the dumb things that i'm I'm working on a little bit, I haven't done too much with this, but I've reached out a couple of times to the people who make emojis. Oh, um, To try really? to encourage them to make a red panda emoji. Yeah? Because I truly feel like when you start having those things and mm-hmm. you start seeing them more in everyday life and then mm-hmm. you learn a little bit about them and everybody who sees, oh, there are new emojis this year and there's going to be a red, red panda. panda. Oh, you know, what? what's a red panda? What's yeah. the, Is that the same as a giant panda? Maybe they'll <laughs> Google it. Maybe they'll find Red Panda Network. Maybe they will right. become the next conservation hero. Maybe they'll Probably realize not.
0: That it's the only true panda.
1: Yes, exactly, <laughs> and so it's like I think little steps like that, like, and that's mm-hmm. all just education. I mean, right. That's what it is. So, yeah, you know. No, I think that's hugely important. That's really cool. Um, what what do you uh, what do you do for conservation? What's your conservation jam?
0: So I am a part of AZAC, which is American Association of Zookeepers, or AAZK, uh, and. A lot of zoos have these committees or these um, organizations, um, within them that are separate from the zoo. Um, most of the work that I have done for conservation, um, has been through AZAC, um, whether that be a bowling for rhinos or a rocking for rhinos or a brewing for rhinos, depending on where you are, um. Getting people together um, to raise money, however that may be, and then donating that money while educating. So, like collecting money to send to a conservation organization um, while educating people as to why that organization is important and what the work that they are doing. Um, I have not yet been lucky enough to go out and do conservation work like in the field I know a couple of friends who have been fortunate enough to be able to do that um I think that's on my list um it's just a matter of you know finding the opportunity um yeah
1: makes sense if everybody did a couple of little things right that would be huge and speaking of which you told me about a friend that you wanted to do a little shout out to and, and such so tell me about
0: that okay so uh I have a friend her name is Lauren she has uh, I'm gonna move my phone. Um, She has a uh, business called Kairos Creature Collective. So that is a clothing line that, and I can send you a link if you need me to.
1: Yes, please do. Um,
0: Yeah, let me send that to you right now. Um, It is a clothing line which she designs all of the. Um, pieces herself um, but has different lines that donate money to different conservation organizations. It's there are a couple different. It's really cool because there are a couple different organizations that she sends um, proceeds to, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. So shout out to Lauren because the collection is super great. uh, And there are, What's your uh,
1: like, what's the website? Like, if people are listening.
0: Kairoscreaturecollective.com is the website. What is Kairos? Uh, and I can read like, it to Like, spelling-wise, yeah, please do. K-A-I-R-O-S, Creature Collective. So Kairos is a noun, and it's the the right critical or opportune moment for decision or action. Are you reading that, or do you I just am, know that? No, no, I am reading it from the website. Okay. Because I knew you might ask. I
1: was super impressed, but okay. All right. So I want you to tell me, make me fall in love with some hoofstock. And um, we talked a little bit about why they're cool as like a group. But now I want you to tell me about some individuals that you work with or have worked with. Um, If you have names that always, I don't know, it always helps people connect with them. But tell me some stories.
0: Oh, my gosh. This is pressure. Let's see. It's like hard to pick favorites, you know? You but you wanna, have them. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Even I have they, some good news. I though did though look, look don't into this. Care. <laughs> they
1: don't well, care. Well, I, I have. I, I oh. get podcast statistics. Oh, and no hoofstock have ever listened to my podcast. Okay. So this is well, a safe then, space. Okay, yeah, cool. You're good. You're good.
0: Um, I think one of my absolute favorites um, is a Bontobock, Which, if you out there listening don't know what a bontabok is, go ahead and look it up because they're super cute. Um, they're like a medium-sized hoofstock, like a Hershey's chocolate brown, and then have like a white keyhole, like up their face. Um, so... That's
1: actually a really good description.
0: Thank you. Um, I think they're super cute, and they sort of like do a little, like when they're moving swiftly, I don't want to call it like a run, but like they pull up their, um their legs in sort of, like, a jaunt, which is cute. But um, one of my favorites, her name is Rye. Um, She, as a baby, all she did was meep. And I say meep as, like, the noise that she makes. Like, as an adult, they sort of grunt, but, like, as a baby, to, like, get mom's attention or, like, to, like get the attention of whatever they're looking at or if something is scary or something's exciting, they just, like, meep. And she, we would just call her, even though her name is Rye, we gave her the name Rye, and we, like, called her Little Rye, which, like, even though she's not little, like, she's an adult now, but when she was a baby, we'd, like, oh, Little Rye, Little Rye. Um, Or we would call her meep because she just meeped. <laughs> All the time, almost to the point where you were like, why are you, Why? what are you upset about? Are you upset? Are you excited? Like, you're just meeping. And like, your mom, like, went into her stall for dinner and you're just like standing outside (laughs) meeping. And like, she knows it's dinner time and we know you know it's dinner time. But like, you're just, why are you standing there? And she was just like,
1: meep. That's adorable.
0: And I mean, super cute. But at the same time, you're like, girl, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, we know the routine. Like, we hear the whistle and it's like dinner time. And like, she watched everybody else walk into their rooms for dinner. And she just is like standing on the exhibit being like, somebody help me. And it's like, girl, you can help yourself. Like, what? (laughs) Also, clearly your mom thinks that you are old enough to walk yourself in because she's not coming back out to get you. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I – I don't think she meeps as much now as an adult because her mom is probably like, no, like, you're not my responsibility anymore. Like, thank you, but no. (laughs) And now she's like, okay, cool. That doesn't work um, anymore. It did work as a baby to, like, get mom's attention. And now mom is like, no. So it's kind of hard to be that – Because she was so cute and so hilarious. Um, That is
1: so cool. And a Bontabok is a type of antelope, right? Yes. So they have the like, kind of like medium-sized horns, I guess you could say? Medium-sized yeah. yes. And so they,
0: you know, sort of straight and then they only curve out the one time. But they have ridges along the horns. So they're really pretty. um, But they don't get, you know, three, four feet long.
1: Right, yeah. No, they're a really Um, gorgeous species. I really like them.
0: um, Who else? It's, like, hard to... Hmm. It's, like, I'd love to just, like, pick a favorite of every species. But, like, you know... um, I've worked with both Maasai and Reticulated Giraffe. So it's, like, do I pick one of each? I think... (laughs) It's, well, that's like easy, not an easy out, but like easy to pick the female giraffe at Nashville. Her name is Nasha. She was born at Cincinnati oh,
1: and wow. then
0: moved to Nashville. So I like saw her basically her whole life until I moved away from Nashville.
1: That's awesome.
0: So it's like easy. To pick her because as a baby she was so cute and her mom was pretty chill. Um, you know, sometimes giraffe, like, no thanks. like. But her mom does public feedings at Cincinnati, so she grew up standing right next to mom. You know, Who's p- your mom? Her mom's Tessa.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've hung out with Tessa.
0: Yes. I so yeah. she grew up standing right next to Tessa just, like, picking up all of the snacks that people just, like, threw over the deck. Like, you know, they're meant to just hand it to Tessa or whoever is there. And they're just like, here's this food. Like, throw it. And she's just like, I'll eat off the ground. Whatever. Sure. (laughs) So she, like, as a baby was like, okay, great. Like, people have snacks. Cool. So even when she, like, wasn't tall enough to reach the feeding deck, she would still be like, do you have snacks for me? Anybody up there? (laughs) And they would just, like, drop it for her. And then she'd be like, okay, cool. Thanks. I'll just take this. (laughs) So... Um, they don't do public feedings in Nashville, but she's still like, you know, very social with the keepers, very interested in what the guests are doing because, you know, you know, everybody's like walking around all the time. So there's like people to look at and like what's going on and the keepers are around every once in a while. And so those are probably my two favorites.
1: That's awesome! If I, I had love to, that like, you have pick. a Bontabach. That's your favorite. I
0: know. Animal. I don't think That's so. Good. I don't know that there are many. I don't. I don't know that many zoos have Bontabach.
1: So no, I don't know don't.
0: that no. that um, that they're an easy one for people to pick. Uh, Rise, sister, half sister. Her name is Winter. She lives in Oregon. Oregon, yeah, um, was hand-raised. And so she's even, like, a little bit more social. Like, Rye wasn't necessarily social. She was, like, interested in what we were doing. But, like, she would never come up to you to be like, hey, what are we up to? Whereas Winter walks right up to the fence. She was hand-raised. Did I say that? She was hand-raised. So she would walk right up to the fence and be like, hey, what's up? What are we doing? <laughs> and it's like, that's a little... Like, lovely, thank you, but also, like, you have horns, and so, like, we're playing, but, like, safe distance is great. Like, there's also, like, a a fence between us, like, a barrier, but she would just, like, walk right up to it and be like, you have snacks for me? (laughs) (laughs) Snacks would be great. So, I mean, we would try to um, um, do training sessions, like, along a fence line, so, you know, having, like, sweet potato discs and, like, carrots for like the eland who love snacks right but like weren't totally sure they wanted to participate to be like we want the snacks but like oh whereas like the ostrich were like i'll eat all of that and also try to like maybe accidentally bite your fingers if you're not careful um whereas um like rye and her mom the other bontobak were never like no thanks but winter was just like hey like i'll eat This and you have brows and nobody else likes brows. I'll eat brows. So (laughs) that was always fun too. She moved to Oregon. That'll be a couple years ago now, but the last I heard, she's doing really great um, with her new gentleman friend out there in Oregon.
1: Oh, good! Shout out to Winter. (laughs) Yay, Winter! Um, Do you are most of your animals protected? Contact? Yes. Okay. Okay. I see. I, I don't think I realized that. I would have guessed that most hoof stock would be um
0: free contact.
1: Free contact, yeah, I think I couldn't think of the term. Um I mean and, and please understand I have no yes. reason for thinking that other than right. because I've gotten to hang out with like cows and stuff and I right. <laughs> know there's a big yes. difference. Yeah.
0: Um a lot of times just because they are a little on the shy side, like being protected contact is just makes them feel more comfortable. Um, there are a couple times, you know, like, if it's going to be so cold overnight and you'd rather them be in their stall with a heater instead of, like, staying on exhibit overnight, which, like, in the summertime, if they didn't shift in, it's like, okay, don't love that because, like, your stall's pretty comfy, but, like, you can hang out on exhibit, I guess that's fine, but, like, if it was going to be really cold – Sometimes we have to go out onto exhibit to then encourage them and you just like stand at a safe distance like away from the the chute or the hallway leading to their stall and they're like, Oh, okay, well like I don't want to stand out here and hang out with you, so like I'll go inside. So that's
1: really interesting.
0: Yeah. So most of the time we don't have to go in with them. Um, but there are So it's like it's like protected contact
1: with an asterisk. Right. Because you are allowed in with them if right. you have if to. We need Okay, to, that's yes. interesting. So,
0: um, we, when I was in Nashville, um, worked free contact with um, the Okapi that they have.
1: Okapi are the best animals. Oh <laughs> I love Okapi. <laughs>
0: Every once in a while on the radio, like just as a joke, like they do um, tours. You can go see the Okapi barn. Um, and when the tour guide calls and they're like, hey, we're headed your way. Like I started saying, "Oh, copy that!"
1: <laughs> oh, get off my podcast! And, <laughs> go,
0: go away! And, um, like as a joke, and then some people were like, "Oh my gosh, was not expecting that." That made my whole day. <laughs> we would do hoof work, voluntary hoof work, with him, which was so cool. He was very good about it, very food motivated, and then he would allow us to pick up. All four of his hooves, in order to like, you know, clean off the bottom of his hooves, make sure that it's, um, it looks okay. The hoof itself is growing the way that it should. So that was really cool. And also, um, an example of working um uh, free contact. Um, now, we didn't just go in with him all the time, like, we didn't clean his barn with him in there. Right. Um, just because he's a hoofstock and if we move too quick or lifting something and he could get scared and that's no fun for anybody. So we don't want him to be scared in his own house. So
1: Um, okay, so along with uh working with um Hoofstock, mm-hmm. you also end up with a lot of birds, both from your earlier experience yes. and uh and just I guess hoofstock oftentimes live with, with birds yeah, or in just mixed exhibits.
0: Mixed, yeah. Mixed yeah, up. That makes
1: sense. So tell me some bird stuff. Tell me, do you oh have a favorite gosh. bird or two, uh, or you know, uh, one thing that's been interesting with this podcast is I've never been a big bird guy. Yeah, I could, I can walk right past Navy an Area yeah. and not even feel like I missed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have talked to so many keepers who are so in love with birds oh that now I'm falling in love Jake with birds.
0: Melinda, oh my goodness, you can't talk that. to either of them without talking about birds. That is true. <laughs>
1: Jake tells in in this episode that's dropping tomorrow <laughs> yes. the best kookaburra story.
0: <gasps> Ooh, I just can't wait. the best story. Yes. It's so good. So, let's see. It's funny because like when I think Tiffany, who is one of those cranes, a crown crane, um, she would walk right up to you and be like, "Hey, I know you throw out bugs." So, like, you could just hand them to me. That'd be cool. (laughs) And I was like, oh, like, really? Because none of the other ladies, like, are interested. And she's like, no, no, yeah, that'd be cool. So she would eat bugs out of my hands, which was – I know. Really? Great. Because, like, you know, she's not interested in being touched. There are not many birds that I know that want to be touched because then they're like, Mm. oh, you touched my feathers and now I got to clean them. And I got to, like, put them the way that I want. And, like (laughs) – they're sitting the way that I want. So I don't, I haven't come in contact with many birds that are like, yeah, sure. Like, you can scratch my neck or whatever. Now, there are a couple, but I feel like those are, for the most part, they're just like, no, no, I'll hang out over here. Um, Tiffany was not interested in being touched, but definitely interested in touching you and, you know, like, she'll picking at the aglets of your shoelaces or. Oh, wow. Um, just be like, is this something that I can eat? Because, like, you've got <laughs> snacks sometimes, but, like, if you run out of snacks, then I'm upset about it, and where are my snacks? So she's a good one. Um, the uh, male ostrich in Nashville's name is Big Bird. He's on the <laughs> um, mixed um, Africa field, and he has such a personality it is so funny. He, you know, is on the elderly side, I think. He's, like, over 25 years old. Um, but struts around like he is the bee's knees. And, like, he is the owner of the Africa field. Like, he just walks around like, I am king. Like, what's up? Whereas, like, he'll walk up to the eland, which is a, a large species of hoofstock. Um, like, pretty tall. Um and to the point where like if they're just standing eating, you know, like at up a, a pile of hay or like they're chewing on some browse or whatever, just standing minding their own business, he'll walk up to them, you know, wings out and like try to to kick at them just to be like, "Hey, I don't want you standing here." And like they don't give him a second look. And he I think I think it makes him so mad. It I mean Look at me anthropomorphizing, but, like, it's so funny to watch because he'll just, like, try to kick at them, but, like, his his range of motion for his legs is, like, not high enough to, like, actually kick at any, like, their stomach is too high. So he's just, like, sort of walking up to them and moving his toes and, like, where he's, like, I'm really upset, and the fact that you're not paying me any attention isn't making me more upset, and she just, like, stands there and pays no attention, and I think that is so funny and he also like if you are doing the keeper talk in the viewing area and sometimes you you can throw out produce to like get their attention he'll come over and like you nobody's gonna have this like i'm gonna eat it all and also like put on a big show while i'm over here for everybody so that was always really funny
1: that's awesome that's great um i'm curious if uh if you weren't working with animals what do you think you'd be doing with your life
0: oh my gosh I think about this a lot because it's like really hard (laughs) as someone who is 29 and have like basically been thinking about doing this like half of my life it's like this from the time of like figuring out what to do to like actually doing it like I never really gave anything else like a good consideration (laughs) but Um, With all of the events that I have helped organize for conservation events, I think if someone was like, tomorrow you have to stop zookeeping and you have to do something else that doesn't involve animals at all, like I think I would enjoy event planning. That makes sense. Because, like, I have, like, organized, like, Rocking for Rhinos events and, like, helped find venues, which, like, I don't know anything about music. But, like, so, like, finding people to play was, like, not my area. But, like, (laughs) finding a place to have it and, like, the day and what we're going to do there and how it's going to go and getting people to go And so I've done that for, for rhinos for conservation. I've done that for clouded leopards. I've done that for rainforest trust, um, and for other like bigger umbrella organizations that aren't like specific to one species. So, and I always had a lot of fun doing that. It's kind of stressful, but like what job isn't a little stressful?
1: Oh yeah, no, totally. Um, I've always hated the expression that if you Love what you do. You won't work a day in your oh my life.
0: Gosh, yeah. Screw that.
1: Yeah. Come on. And I know you know you work hard and you love what you do. Same yeah. with me. I'll tell you what. Touring is, a, is, a, oh my is gosh. a journey, man. But I love it. Right. But, oh, boy, do I work. Right. And I could, I could tell you right. some stories. I just <laughs> –
0: I feel like when they say that, it's like if you love what you do, you never stop working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because – real true. Because even when you're not at work, you're like thinking about work and like what else is going on at yep. work and what's going on at work? Well, I'm not at work. Um, And I think that's hard for zookeepers because um, what we do for work is like a living thing or like a group of living things. So like you worry about them when you're not at work. Um, Like if they're sick or, you know, you know, they scrape their leg, you know, walking on exhibit, you know, are clumsy and they trip on something where they're running around cause they're a baby and they got the zoomies. Um, so I think it's hard. It was hard for me at first. I think I'm better at it now of like, not thinking about work every second of when I'm not at work, but, um, When I first started, I was, like, thinking about it all the time. I think it was also hard because the days that I wasn't working, I was volunteering at the zoo. So, like, literally at the zoo seven days a week. So, I'm sure that made it hard to, like, turn off my brain. But, um, I I mean, nobody's in it for the money, that's for sure.
1: No. Yeah. I'm I'm well aware. And I
0: think – I don't know if that is – like, your passion, like, like things that people are so passionate about. Like, I don't... Like, are there people that are, like, super passionate about, like, accounting? I don't know. Passion can be exhausting. Like, in a good way, obviously, because it's, like, what you care about is, like, why you have so much passion for it. Um, so I think being able to like, take a break from feeling all of that is, like, nice. Like, when I – I've tried really hard, especially in the past, like, year or two to, like, come home from work and, like, do other things, like watching documentaries, because I – as much as I, like, know about and learn about and study animals, I find people to be so interesting and so – strange so like watching documentaries on different types of people is just like a different it's like using a different part of my brain sure um and then also like trying to figure out people like w- why some people don't seem to care about conservation is perplexing to me since like everything that happens in the world is like related to like everything's
1: connected. So. I think one thing that a lot of people struggle with when you are passionate is not like other people don't understand it Mm -hmm. and you don't understand why they don't understand it. Right. I've encountered so many people in my world, so many of the choices that I made in my early life um, before starting to really go for the music thing and really having success were based on the fact that people told me. That my passion would fade, that Mm -hmm. I would find something else, Mm -hmm. that I would fail, not just as a, well, you're going to fail because who makes it as a professional musician, but also just like you're going to fail because everybody fails. You know, every fourth grader wants to be a professional baseball Uh, player. Every eighth grader is starting to look at being a lawyer or a doctor. And, you know, by the time you're in high school, somebody is like, oh, well, I can't do any of that. I'm going to do this or I found this passion or whatever.
0: Well, Um, I hate, I would hate But I think that's important. I I hate to see passion like get burned out, you know? Right, definitely. And something like conservation, like we can't afford to get burned out on conservation because it's so important. It's like mm-hmm. conservation not only of species, but like environments that are like vital to like breathe. Like we need trees in order they to do like, help, filter yeah. air. So, like, it's disheartening when you come across someone who doesn't understand or, like, seem to care. Or, like, I used to hate when I would be holding a snake, whatever type of snake that is, ball python, you know, milk snake, you know, angolan python, and someone would come up to me and say oh that would be better as a pair of shoes or like a belt seriously yes i mean more than once unfortunately like almost more times than i can count um and then i would say well i disagree and are you interested in talking about that because i would love to like tell you all the reasons why this snake is so cool and also would you rather have a snake in your yard or people would be like oh i just killed a snake in my yard with a shovel like the other day and i'd just be like but (laughs) like (laughs) would you rather have a snake that's like eating mice that might you know infest your house and maybe carry diseases right or just have that snake do what a snake does, and keep rodent populations down.
1: Mm-hmm. So I talk about this a lot, and I don't understand why people come to a zoo with an anti-animal stance. Right. Whether it's something like that or something like – I literally hear people walking around all the time and be like, oh, zoos are bad. They shouldn't have this animal in this enclosure or whatever. And half the time, I mean, what they're saying is just – completely incorrect mm-hmm. and a lot of anthropomorphizing happens yeah. but even beyond that like just I'm so fascinated because I also I love studying the human condition <laughs> as well and I'm always fascinated by why the heck you would go to a zoo if you think it's bad and if it's going to make you feel bad and if you think like I I, I I can't think of a thing where you know. Oh, I, I there there are things in the world that I think are bad, and I'm not going right. to go to them. Right. You know, I'm not going to go to a clan rally and be like, "Ha ha, right. I'm here! Yay! Oh, this so is bad. bad. That's yeah. just no."
0: I well, and like with that snake example, it's like I'm not even sure that some of those people like realize. That that's a negative comment because they've just never thought right. about it. So then when I'm like, oh, yeah, oh actually, I disagree. Like snakes are super important. Like they help control mice populations around your house. So then you aren't having like a mouse problem. And they're like, oh, I've never thought about it. And it's like, "Whoa, well, great. Now you can. And the next time you see a snake, you could please, please, please leave it alone. Or right. if it's in your house, shoot outside, open a door and just... Because they don't want to hang out with you. Like, they definitely don't want to hang out with you. So if they're in your house and you're in your house, they're probably going to be like, wait a second. I don't want to be in here. So please just, I'm going to go. So it's like those moments where you might feel disheartened a little bit. But also it's a teaching moment. And then they might walk away. And then even if they still kill snakes in the future, they might at least consider what you've said and then sure. I no, might feel like, even if they walk away, like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess maybe it shouldn't be a pair of shoes, but like, I don't want it anywhere near me. Like that is at least a step in the right direction.
1: Definitely is. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's a really good way of looking at it. I love that you have such a heart for education because I think, um, that's something I struggle with and luckily I don't work in a field where it <laughs> matters, but like when I'm at zoos and I hear people being dumb and when I say dumb, I don't mean... Not knowing facts or being confused. Like, that's fine. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to. I, I'm definitely that person who, if I like hear something said that's wrong, will be like, oh, actually, <laughs> even though I'm just there, you know, but I'm definitely actually is a word that I say way <laughs> too many times at a Zoom. And sometimes I'll try and be all coy mm-hmm. and I'll like be standing by myself and, and I'll walk up and I'll just say, like, oh, yeah, sea turtles. These guys are, uh, they're like in – yeah they they like living alone right. So That's good. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, they do. So this sea turtle doesn't need a friend. Cool. And I I used to think <laughs> that I was being coy, and then I would like look at the person, and they would be glaring at me, and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm an idiot." Sorry. Just
0: remember, they like being alone. <laughs> they prefer it.
1: Yes, but I do <laughs> whatever like, it um, is. Like and I but I don't mind talking about things and like like I think it's important to educate people. But when people are just you know have a really bad attitude towards it or whatever, I just. Oh, I just, I just want to kick them out of the zoo. <laughs> Apparently, you're not allowed to do that when you, uh, you know, don't even work there. Well, but, uh. <laughs> I have
0: had a hard time, even as like someone who's not in uniform. Like if I'm just visiting and I hear mm-hmm. someone like ask someone else a question, like there have been times where I've forgotten that I was not in uniform, right? And just been like, oh. <laughs> And then they give me a weird look and then I realize, oh, I'm not in uniform. I'm not wearing a name tag right now. Right. I'm just some lady who's either like giving oh, them had... directions or <laughs> like giving them a the fact that they did not ask for or right. it was like clear that I like overheard what they were saying and are like, oh, hey, um, let me tell you about I've that real more... quick.
1: <laughs> I've had more than a few people ask, ask me like I'll be like, oh – Actually, this isn't a fox; it's a red panda, and uh, they're native to the Nepali, uh, you know, Nepal region, and um, and some of China, and um, blah, blah blah. And they'll stop and they'll look at me, and they'll be like, "You work here?" And I'm like, "Nope, oh. no, nope, no, I don't." But thank you. I play the drums, but still an expert. I promise. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh my gosh, that's Amazing. nice. Um, you'll enjoy this because it's a red panda story. I oh yeah um, walked by a red panda exhibit just like as a guest. One time, and there was a sign at the exhibit informing anyone that read it, which, like, good on them for reading a sign, first of all, because some people don't right, read zoo signs, which, like, I get it if you're looking for the animal, but also if you're wondering about information about the animal, like, it might be on a zoo sign. Um, but they were reading the zoo sign, and one of them was like, oh, what's in here? And the other one read the sign and was like, oh, it's a bamboo buffet. And I, like, had to stop and be like, what? (laughs) So I walked over. That's amazing. Sure enough, the sign says bamboo buffet because it's talking about what red pandas eat at the red panda exhibit. And I was like, okay, (laughs) well, I mean, at that point, I I just couldn't even be like, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not a bamboo buffet. It's a red panda. (laughs) And it's right there in the tree. But, like, I just had to walk away and be like, I'm not sure that I can –
1: no, I'm not yeah. sure sometimes I help. you just—I can. I'm sometimes sure I can help just that can.
0: one. So we'll just—I chuckled and was like, "Oh boy, okay." Yeah. Uh, just, no,
1: sometimes you just can't. And maybe there if I a, were in
0: uniform, I would have been like, "Hey guys, you looking for the red panda?" <laughs> right.
1: Right. But <laughs> <There>, um, <laughs> that was there, the time I, I remembered I
0: was not in uniform, so good I couldn't job, be like. Uh, <laughs>
1: <job>. <laughs> there was a zoo I was at recently, and the um, at the red panda exhibit, and uh, a lady walked up and was like, "Red pandas." I didn't know there were red pandas, and I'm like, cool, like, awesome, good, you're seeing a new thing, the panda was very on display and looked very cute, Mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, like, like, we've talked about, that's like the instant hope, and you're like, yes, and now you're gonna become a a red panda warrior and a conservation warrior, and like, this is the start of a new love affair, welcome, and, um... And she looked and she she called her husband over and oh, showed no. him. And I was like, this is awesome. More red panda and she people. And goes, she goes, oh, wow, I, I didn't even know there were red pandas. And look at this. And this guy is so cute. And she goes, I wonder if the, there's one of the black and white ones in the exhibit with it. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, you know, no. again, just new, new person of the pandas, <laughs> like not mocking. <gasps> but then she, she was like, they're the same size, I think. Oh, there's one over there. And pointed at a rock, a black oh, and white no. rock that was just in the back. And I was just, mm. I was so torn. I was like, nope, nope, say mm. nothing. Just just walk away. Just walk away, John, walk away. <laughs> but it was, she pointed at a rock and was mm. like, yep, there's the black and white red, or there's a the black and white panda that lives with the red panda because they're the same animal and they're the same size. And I was like, I, I can't crep this. There's too mm-hmm. much. And it's I, I don't work here. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes people
0: will point to a smaller hoofstock.
1: hmm
0: Um and be like, oh, that must be the baby. A baby giraffe Right And it's like Oh, oh No <laughs> Darn it No, no, no. <laughs> no. But like no, no, How no. do you How oh. It's Sometimes it's like And then I don't I don't want to make them feel Dumb or bad about right, The mistakes right. so It's like I don't even want to I had I had someone ask me once if um, An ostrich <laughs> egg Was a zebra egg <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that's an ostrich egg. <laughs> They're like, oh. No, ma'am,
1: zebra eggs are striped. Um. <laughs> They're like,
0: oh, so the zebras don't lay eggs? I said, no, 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 they don't lay eggs. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, those are ostrich eggs. Yeah, the only thing out there laying eggs is the ostrich. <laughs> she was like, that's oh, okay, incredible. great. But, like, sometimes, you know, people will joke with you, like, about an animal, and you answer them, right. like, I – I'm not sure that I can think of, like, a good example. But there have been so many times where they're like, oh, this. And you're like, oh, no. Like, oh, here's a good one. Like, the kangaroos that I worked with um, are crepuscular. So active at dawn and dusk. So at 3 in the afternoon when it is hot as Hades outside in the south, you know, the sun is beaming down. The kangaroos are, like, chilling in the shade. Sleeping to like keep cool, and I—I'm sure it was a man walked in, and he was like with his kids and like, oh, see they like give the kangaroos drugs so they're tired, and I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, 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 absolutely not. Like, like they're sleeping, and he was like, oh, I was just kidding, and I was like, I know, sir, but I am sure that some people think that, and even if you are not kidding, I don't want to treat it as you're kidding. Because, like, if you're not kidding, like, I don't want to joke with you and be like, haha, because right. then you might walk away thinking that we would drug kangaroos on exhibit. So I was like, nope, they're crepuscular. Have you ever heard that word? And the kids were like, nope. And the dad was like, I have no idea what you're saying. And I was like, okay, cool. Here's a lesson, learning lesson. Um, crepuscular <laughs> is not diurnal and not nocturnal. And the kids are like, oh, we've heard nocturnal. I was like, okay, cool. It's like right in between, like, right when the sun comes up and right before the sun goes down, it's like not as hot, right? Cause it's not the middle of the day. So like, that's when they're just like out and about like eating and like doing their thing. So like, this is not the moment for that because it's real hot outside and it's the middle of the day. And they're like, oh, okay, great, thanks. And I'm like, not sure that they were like super interested in learning, but I was like, hey, okay, cool. While we're here um, making jokes, we're gonna like also maybe hopefully learn something. So then we don't think that of anyone or any animal. Or no, right. tell someone else, like, oh, they drug kangaroos, because that is definitely not true.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. So, okay, I, uh, I try to end every interview okay. with what I've started calling – my poop question. Oh, okay. Um, yes. And um, and it, it's just, it seems like every keeper has at least one great story about something gross, you know, and it often involves poop, but it doesn't have to. Sometimes okay. it's like dead bugs or something. But uh, what is your grossest story or stories that you want to share with the world uh, about being a keeper?
0: So tapers, I mean, I don't even know if this is the grossest story, but like...
1: It's okay. It's not a competition. You can you okay. know, just as long as it's good and I might not have the grossest <laughs> one,
0: but um, tapers poop in their pool. They have a pool on exhibit most of the time. I would be shocked if they did not have a pool, like any taper that you see, because they spend a lot of their time in water. They go to the bathroom in water, and that helps like hide the smell of it, because like I'll be honest with you, it smells terrible. So, uh They'll poop in their pool, but, like, of course you have to, like, have a filtration system on a pool. But, like, you still need to drain the pool and clean any poop that does not go into the filter, like, out of it in order for the pool to look clean on, like, a daily basis. Um, so draining a pool and then pulling out a filter basket full of poop that's, like, Mostly hay or alfalfa because that's what they eat. So, like, of the poop, it's, like, not the grossest, but, like, for some reason it smells horrendous. And then also in this basket, it's, like, not necessarily, like, in a ball of poop, but, like, in the water it's sort of disintegrated and now it's sort of, like, in a jiggly form that's, like, mostly hay but, like, still held together with, like, who knows what bodily liquids and things Um, and then you like dump out the basket to then sweep up the poop into a shovel to then put it in a compost pile but like the act of taking out the basket of like non-formed taper poop and then like dumping it onto the bottom of a pool like if you forget to wear boots (laughs) it's like not a good day (laughs) most of the time you're wearing boots, but, like, if you are just not, you know, if if you haven't, like, switched your shoes, like, some people will, like, be wearing shoes and then switch into boots. And if you just are, like, on autopilot of, like, got to clean. Everyone's eating breakfast. So, like, you know, clean the exhibit before the, the zoo opens while they're eating breakfast and you don't switch your shoes, you might splash some taper poop, like, up onto your shins. And you're definitely getting it on your hands. Um and then picking it up and then hosing the pool not great but then it's like the moments where you're eating lunch and you think did I wash my hands <laughs> before I ate lunch which like I feel like zookeepers like generally are very good at washing their hands like I wash my hands before I go into the bathroom because of all the things that I'm doing
1: right makes sense
0: Before I go into the bathroom. And then I wash my hands after I go to the bathroom. And then, like, I can immediately, like, go from there to lunch. And then before I eat, I, like, wash my hands. But there have definitely been times where you're sitting at a table with keepers. And someone's, like, eating a cheeseburger. And then they, like, stop. And they're like, did I wash my hands? And you're like, (laughs) uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I feel like you make that mistake one time. And then you're very good about, like, over washing your hands
1: makes sense. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so great. Um, cool. Well, I want to thank you for giving me no joke three hours oh my of your gosh. day.
0: <laughs> You're welcome, and also I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: that was so much fun. Kara is one of those people who I can just talk to for hours on end. Clearly, don't forget to check out her Instagram at k a r a m c three. Okay, here come those crazy end credits you've all been waiting for. Starting right now. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Safari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Rossifari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rasafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.